0: Hello, this is Ida Josefina, and you're listening to Reverb by Sane. My guest today is Sari Azut. Sari is the founder of Startupy, a human index search engine owned by its contributors. Startupy's mission is to map, organize, curate, and interconnect the most interesting business investing and culture insights. Previously, Sari spent more than five years running strategy for a startup studio. She's also an angel investor in more than 30 companies and writes a substack called Check Your Pulse, available at sariazut.substack.com. In this episode, Sari and I talk about our shared passion of digital information systems. We cover topics including what is wrong with the internet, the role of curation in Web 2.5, Sari's philosophy in building new systems for navigating information and ideas, what Web 3 really is, and some of the problems we face in understanding it. I want to thank Sari for taking the time to have a chat with me. It's super nice to get to speak with someone equally geeky about these topics. I hope you guys get some good nuggets from this conversation. Now I bring you Sari azut. I'm here with Sari Azut. Welcome, Sari. It's really
1: nice to have you. such an honor to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Amazing. So let's just get right to it. Uh, We could start today by talking a little bit about your background. Um, would love it if you could tell our audience a bit about yourself. Uh, what's your story and, and what do you do?
1: Yeah, um, what's my story? So I am uh, originally from um, Bogota, Colombia, moved to the States for college, um, arrived to the States really without knowing um, anyone um, or, um, you know, and, and, and I sort of have always felt that uh, this idea that if you are resourceful and you can use the internet to find people and ideas and concepts you can you know it's sort of like it doesn't matter um, where where you come from and so for me this you know that moving to the states um, and arriving here uh, 15 years ago um, it sort of opened my mind to um, just how um, how that sort of tables, um, had turned and had, and had shifted, um, in terms of being able to just like have anything, um, at, at your fingertips. And so I, you know, I, I've essentially spent the last decade of my life building, writing, thinking about startups, about the future of the internet. And I would say that when it comes to technology, I'm far less interested in the technology I'm more interested in the people building the technology, the people whose lives may be impacted, uh, by the technology, um, it sort of dawned on me in the last um ten years that you know a lot of people when they when they're interested in building something, they are they sort of part from uh, an obsession with the technology. I'm obsessed with um AI or now Web3. And for me, um the technology is almost irrelevant. I've always been technology right. agnostic. For me, um, it's far more interesting to start to begin with a problem, um, and then you know, use whatever technology um, you know, you need to um, to get, um, to get there. And, um, yeah. And so I think so much of my work has always been rooted in people, um, and sort of like going back and understanding like what motivates people. I I still believe that we're lacking, um, sort of experiences on the internet that are delightful, that are human at their core, that are fun. Um, and I sort of, with everything that I do for whether it's my investing work, um, my building work, I, I always sort of have the, this, um, mindset of how do we just build this in a way that's a little bit more creative and more human and more delightful. Yeah.
0: And so what, what you went to, you came to the States, you went to university,
1: right? Yeah. I went to Brown, um, in Rhode Island and I studied, um, sociology, economics and philosophy. Um, and, um, I, so I was an international student and, uh, when I left, uh, Brown, the only, Job that would give me a visa was uh, banking, so I started off my (laughs) path the way many people do. um, But I didn't last long, so I started off in investment banking. I didn't last long. Um, I then left to start um, my first startup, which was um, marketplace for secondhand apparel. I've also always been very drawn to sort of storytelling. This idea of taking something that's sort of boring or unsexy and sort of flipping it um, and Uh, So with that company, we sort of like built a a brand that sort of at the time, this was in 2012, made sort of vintage and thrift and buying secondhand, uh, something just more, more appealing. Um, There's a lot of storytelling there. Um, Sold that company in 2015. And essentially since then, I've worked with hundreds of founders, um, just helping them think about, you know, what to build, how to build it. um, And... Yeah. I think that's when I, I've sort of like my job over the last five, six years has been to hang out at the edges of the internet, scour for interesting insights. Um, and I love the phrasing of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and so I think that the things that I sort of take for granted, as far as like my information diet and my information environment, are things that like most people don't have access to because yes, we live in the information age. uh, but, um, you know, where, where to find the valuable information, um, is, is not obvious. And especially with the sort of predominant business models, um, I think, you know, most people don't know where to start, don't know where to look. And so they're sort of spending their time reading, like, I don't know, the latest stats of the day on COVID instead of like nourishing their, um, their, you know, brains and hearts. Um, and so I sort of like realized that I had a, a, a knack for like finding these hidden gems, um, and it was really sort of the the uh, what I was doing when I was a, I would say like I was a glorified consultant in a sense, but all but I, what I was doing is like finding really interesting insights um, and then synthesizing them in a way that made sense for the for the founders that I was working with. I was connecting the dots across seemingly unrelated fields, um, and. In the process of doing that i started uh, i realized that the the act of like reading is very different from the act of thinking right so you can be reading something because it's in front of you um, or because you see it on your twitter feed uh but it doesn't hit home in the same way that it does when you are thinking about it uh in the context of a specific problem or challenge um, and so I started building what I called like a resonance database where I would just like add all sorts of things that, that would resonate with me and, um, make it, make sure that they were sort of discoverable later on. And yeah, I mean, the rest is history, but I would say like, like the act of like starting this database, uh, which has now sort of become much bigger than myself is, uh, it just sort of like woke me up to how much, um, the fact that like the internet was an information big bang we've had no sort of symmetric explosion in our ability to process that information uh and so yeah I don't come from like an information architecture background but I certainly like arrived um at this with a lot of sort of passion and curiosity based on my own experience of how Mm. building this sort of information corner uh, of the internet was such a healthy thing for me
0: that's that's really fascinating, and I especially resonate with what you said about reading is not the same as thinking, and that idea has actually guided our product Uh, philosophy a lot Um, we call it like meditative thinking where you're not necessarily like ours isn't like uh, what we're building with saying isn't necessarily that it's in a very specific like given context but the idea to sort of like meditate on words and to really think about something is completely different from like doom scrolling and like trying to consume as much sort of random information as as possible so um, I'm really curious to hear more about your plans um, on you you know uh, expanding this kind of database but before we get into that, I would like to ask you to kind of like, maybe maybe you already touched on it. You probably covered a part of it, but maybe you could still like summarize sort of your philosophy or the sort of central thesis or let's say mission you have for your work um, in a
1: short summary. Yeah, for sure. I would say like my my. I think that a couple of things. The currency of the world, I think, is no longer money; it's ideas. Um, but we don't we don't we're not currently properly set up to come up with good ideas in the first place like I think everyone talks about the internet as being like oh you know we're it's turning everyone into narcissists I actually think that the a much like we've always been narcissists like I think that a much worse problem (laughs) is just like the present mindedness this sort of like never-ending now this inability to like you know like remove yourself from the present um and um and just like find um wisdom like yes we talk about dows today but like you know why not look at, um, kibbutz or like, you know, other sort of like, you know, like organizations historically and, and sort of like find wisdom there. So I would say like my, I, my mission, I would say like today is like startupies mission. And I, and I sort of define it as, uh, our mission is to curate, map, organize, and interconnect, um, the world's most valuable business investing and culture insights. Um, and I say insights because I do think that, um, you know, curation, Thus far has been very focused on, oh, you know here's a you know ton of interesting links to read or here's a hundred books you should read. And frankly, like that like the, nobody has time for that uh, first of all, and I would also say like I also think a lot about content density, like the number of insights uh, per sentence or per paragraph. Um, and this idea of like having an insight be the atomic unit um, of uh, an information architecture it just it just means that um, it becomes a lot easier to sort of uh, remix things, um, like increase creativity and just like have a much richer sort of garden of ideas um, to pull from. So um, yeah, I think, I mean, that, that's sort of a roundabout way of saying that, um, you know, I think it, the information is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Right. And so right. I'm interested in democratizing access to the insights that have allowed me to sort of think the way that I think today, um, and create in the way that I create today. Um, and I think so much, uh, of a certain, like the challenges that we face today are a result of having the wrong architectures, um, to think, uh, to come up with ideas, to remix ideas. I mean, everything is really sort of a combination of the things that came before them. And if we have a better way to sort of remix ideas, we'll ultimately like be better able to solve the most important problems we face.
0: Absolutely. So, I, I you already touched a bit on like sort of what what's wrong, with, like what's wrong with how things are today. But would you be able to summarize like what you think is wrong with the internet?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, at the risk of think I uh, sounding a little bit too simplistic, I think that being stuck um, in the present is one of the biggest threats we have. Um, you know, it, it's funny today we'd sort of be dismissed as anti intellectuals for burning a book. But I think the social media feeds that we've essentially um, created and that we use um, are the sort of primary tools we interface um, uh, to. We use to interface with the internet um, are the equivalent of essentially burning a book. Like their content is meant to be burned; it is not meant to last. Um, And I sort of see uh, access to information and abundance abundance of information as a feature of the internet. But the fact that we're drowning in information is a bug. Like we, it doesn't, the fact that there's a lot of information, um, like we can't change how much information there is, but we can certainly change how it feels to navigate it. Um, and I'm sort of like perplexed by how little, um, we has like changed, um, in the way of like how we consume information. Like, you know, there's been a ton of changes in how we publish information, uh, but not as many changes in how we consume them. And so, um, you know, I always think that you know, what would happen if uh, we sort of designed our interfaces with the primary goal of helping us think better rather than um, interrupting us, right? So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I guess, like, I, you know, I think that the, the biggest problems that we face require careful planning, long-term attention, and if we're constantly scrolling and reading hot takes and sort of, you know, stripped of context uh you know we're just we're just not going to be able to solve these these really big important problems and so i sort of like see it as as my mission um, to sort of transition from a world where information demands your attention to one uh, where you get the right information on demand um and and have sort of you know Uh, And one where, like, you know, when we think about our goal, I mean, when you think about Twitter, uh, Google's goal, like, you know, they need to get more people clicking on ads. Like, our single goal is to help people think better.
0: Right. So you're basically talking about curation. Like, we need we need curators, right? And I think you wrote some. I think you wrote an essay where you literally said the curators are the new Google. No. Uh, Do you wanna Do you wanna explain what you meant by that?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I. You know. I have a lot of thoughts on on curation. I think the first thing I'll say is that I think the conversation around curation has focused too much on reducing the amount of information and too little on what other architectures are possible outside of feeds um, or newsletters. Like, I, I just don't think it's that imaginative to, um, you know, be, to be able to share like interesting, um, books or curate a list in like a list format, right? Like what are the, what's the likelihood that when I need something, um, I will be able to get it served by a curator. And so to me, the magic sort of happens at the intersection of curation, which is like filtering what we consume knowledge management, which adds sort of structure and goal orientation to, um, our information stream and then community, because, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that the, if the internet has shown one thing, it's like the power of networked knowledge. Um, so yeah, I guess like my, my view is that curation is a really sort of important, uh, missing piece, but we need to layer or or combine that with knowledge management in order to make, um, The the sort of in order really to honor the curator's labor and work, because, you know, yes, we have more meaningful intellectual content today than we had a decade ago. But, you know, how does that serve us if it's not discoverable or indexed? Like, arguably, we have more of it, but it's less discoverable and less indexed.
0: So maybe that's a good way into talking a little bit more about Startupy or your company. Like, how does that look like in practice, The the what you're describing here? Yeah.
1: Um, so I describe Startupy um, as a human-indexed search engine um, owned by its contributors. Uh, I like to describe it as though Rome, Wikipedia, Crunchbase, and Dow had a baby. And, you know, essentially, I think that... Um, I uh, I mentioned earlier this sort of database that I um, uh, created for myself and essentially like the database was um, just you know, me spending thousands of hours interconnecting content with topics and people and companies and projects and it sort of dawned on me that this was not just a database for myself but um, the foundation for a new paradigm in our relationship to information like a curated graph uh, with connections is a much better way to navigate um, information and um, than a feed. Um, and so, uh, the goal with startup is to take the foundation that I built, um, with my database and transition to community brain, right? So there are thousands of people sharing insights on a long tail of topics. This content is poorly indexed by Google because Google is SEO optimized. um, and you know, if you, for most terms, like if you, I don't know, if you want to learn about NFTs and you plug in a query into Google, you're going to get a lot of these sort of uh, content marketing, SEO garbage. You're not going to get the really meaningful stuff written by operators and thinkers. Um, and so my view is that the, the information that is not properly indexed by Google, um, we should have, uh, like Startupy is building out the community and the infrastructure um, and the tooling uh, so that the this community of curators can filter, organize, curate, index that information um, and effectively become a search engine um, for this specific type of knowledge. I mean, I'm not, you know, by no means are we trying to compete um, with Google, but I think that, you know, there is this sort of like unbundling of search that will happen um, and for yeah many many categories um you know just google's just not cutting it today um and when it comes to um startups and business and tech and culture insights um you know which is sort of the my domain um that that's sort of where where we're beginning
0: that's uh i'm very much looking forward to using this product um when are you when is it going to be available
1: Um, So I've been in development um, for almost a year now, um, but basically on my own. Um, I now have a small and mighty team around me, um, and we are going to be launching our private beta soon. Uh, So anyone listening to this podcast, um, if you DM me on Twitter at Sari Azut, I will give you access. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, as you probably um, can empathize with, building software products is really, really hard. Um, And so... I think that, you know, hopefully we'll be um, uh, out of the public in the next couple months. But, you know, we're, we're still trying to, to um, hash out some some kinks.
0: Um, let's talk a little bit about Web3. I think it's um, an interesting subject, uh, mainly because Twitter seems to be going nuts around it. And it's impossible to ignore if you exist on the Internet. Uh, maybe it would be helpful to take a minute to actually summarize the ideas of of. Web three. Uh, you've written quite a lot uh, on your Substack about it. Do you want to kind of give, I don't know, like a few few sort of um, sentences to explain like what Web three is all about and how does startup B fit into that?
1: Yeah, um, for sure. I think you know what's interesting about Web three is that there are many many doors into Web three. Um, and, uh, you know, some people come in through the DeFi doors, um, other people come in through the creator economy. Um, and so I think part of the context collapse that we experience on Twitter um, and the extreme like, you know, uh, this is all a Ponzi scheme and, you know, vaporware, or this is going to change the world and like, you know, like the foundation of our society is going to be completely like revolutionized um, is, is, I think, a sort of dip, like dependent on what sort of door you come in from. Um, I think at a high level, uh, my interest in Web3 um, comes from like, I, I sort of see the world through the lens of incentive design um, and incentives, like, you know, the sort of tr- like Charlie Munger, uh, tell me the incentive and i will tell you the outcome. And so, you know, because I've been fascinated by this problem of knowledge um, and curation over the last sort of two years or so, um, to me, uh, this idea that you could tap into network knowledge, like what are the, you know, clearly, like people are, are driven to contribute for a whole range of reasons. Um, and Wikipedia is proof that, that intrinsic incentives can, uh, you know, create very powerful and, and magical um, uh, sort of like you know, community driven, um, you know, public goods. But, uh, to me, this idea that you could layer on top of intrinsic incentives, um, sort of ownership at the top of that was really, really interesting. It it, it was never like it, whether we do that with Stripe, like traditional web two stuff or web three stuff, I, again, I was totally agnostic to the technology, but the more that I learned, um, the more I realized that, um, at, at its sort of very basic, like Web 2, uh, if Web 1 is read-only and Web 2 is read-write, um, Web 3 is read-write-own. We are, like, essentially what is being created is a digitally native value exchange layer such that if in Web 2, um, uh, essentially, like, you know, sending information is as easy as, as, as sending an email and clicking a button, what is, what is the equivalent of that for value? And if we can exchange value in very granular ways... Um, then we unlock a lot of really interesting use cases because if you think about uh, digitally, like native work and and you know sort of it, like pl- platforms and the internet today, like the users are no longer the users. The users do the work. If you think about Uber, the users are driving. The you know or if you think about Wikipedia, the users are like the 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 platforms are providing the infrastructure. But there's sort of this like blurred line between um, the customer. Um, and the person that's doing the work, and that's very, very new. Um, in the sense that, like a hundred years ago, like it was the lines were very simple. The business, like you know, uh, delivered a service, and the customer purchased it. And now, like the digital world has created this, created this like blurry line. And I think where Web three is interesting, or the the door sort of into Web three that I'm interested in, is the ability to allow um, communities and groups of people to participate um in the value uh that they create um you know and, and I think that everything is nuanced right like it's one thing to say I want to give ownership to my community uh yeah it's another thing entirely to ask like how do you do that is governance ownership like you know there, there's been a ton of questions around like you know if you think about like OpenSea well OpenSea is still a centralized player like it's owned by its founders and shareholders and And so I think that, you know, a lot of this sort of language, um, the language wars are sort of playing out in real time. Like, I think that a lot of these things are poorly defined. What is Web 3? What is Web 2.5? What is a DAO? Like, most DAOs are neither decentralized nor autonomous, and we still use the term. Um,
0: And so I think that... I was going to say that because I I think that the the confusion for me has really been... Like how, like I understand the giving ownership to the creators and the sort of, and the community that, that makes sense. But what's the real difference like between Substack and what, you know, Web3 means, like what a DAP is, you know, like Substack does give that value, but it takes a transaction fee. Wouldn't the only difference right. be in Right. But imagine,
1: thing? imagine, um you yeah, like I, I've been writing a Substack newsletter. I'm not, not, don't publish frequently anymore, but, uh, but I probably was, you know, one of the early people that had that, that started writing a newsletter on Substack. Um, in web three, the idea would be that as an early adopter, I would, um, I would partake, like if Substack were to, uh, you know, create tokens or sell for, you know, billions of dollars, like the idea is that some of that value would be shared with, um, the early writers. Um, and so I think that there are layers of ownership, right? Like I think owning your email, um, list is certainly like ownership in a sense. Um, right. and that's why I think that the language, like there, there's no clarity. Like, yeah, I think then when people talk about ownership, they're referring to different things. Um, I think in the case of Substack, there's no financial shared upside in the sense that if Substack becomes a $100 billion company, um, none of the writers um, will directly benefit from that other than just, you know, like using a platform that's, that's you know, pre- presumably worth that because uh, they're delivering value to its creators. Um, so I think there's, there's sort of layers of ownership. And that's why I think we uh, sort of like have a responsibility to have these conversations more openly where we not only use the term ownership loosely, but sort of define what it means because it can mean a lot of different things. And a lot of people care about governance. A lot of people care about, you know, being able to own their information and be able to take it, uh, with them to any platform. A lot of people care about financial upside. And, and so it's sort of like all depends and is, is, is still being collapsed into one thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could probably go on for three hours about this Particular subject, but I think, like what I've really struggled with in trying to understand these things is that I mean, if if you're a builder, if you're you know a startup founder that wants to build in this space and wants to create something that is decentralized, but then you have investors and you need to make sure that you're achieving certain goals, then what is the level of sort of centralization that you you need to keep? You know, like I mean, that that's the thing that's I think like unclear and sort of I mean it is undefined. It's not like anyone really knows exactly how the space is going to look like but it for me it seems like I am slightly skeptical to this sort of like direction that the you know web3 enthusiasts are talking about because for me it may maybe makes more sense to just build like much better centralized and regulated systems that are really sort of ethical and fair and heading into the right direction than maybe this kind of like are we going into some kind of like digital anarchy? What does that look like? You know, that those are, I don't know if you have like a a comment on that, but do you think that that's like a right kind of potential criticism um, from someone who doesn't know too much about the space?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm like certainly not a decentralization maximalist. Like I, and frankly, like this, you know, this is sort of like before Web3 and after Web3. So I've, I've always believed that, I do believe in this sort of like lone genius that's sort of like almost like um maybe this is sort of too harsh of a term but this like that's sort of like founder um sort of dictatorship where like you have this sort of vision and idea and so to sort of open that up to um sort of like you know every decision is made by committee i i you know that sort of like doesn't square uh, up well with um like the fact that I, I, I am a creator first and foremost, I want to create, I have a specific vision and, um, you know, can can you co-create that along with the community? Yes. But I certainly buy into the progressive decentralization. I, I think that if every decision we made at Startupy today was put up to a vote, um, it would be terrible. Um, I do think that decentralization works in like certain, I mean, if you look at like protocols, like Uniswap, uh, Zora, like, you know, it, I understand where like the, the value at the protocol layer of decentralization, I think for, um, for products like Sane and startupy where there's, you know, you, you have a sort of, uh, a vision in mind, um, and there's sort of a a level of sort of curation, um, and authority that you want to have to sort of manifest this vision. I, um, yeah, I, I certainly like, don't, don't think that, that, you know, putting things to a vote makes sense. I also think that, um, you know, the way that governance like works today, like the fact that that, that everyone, that, that people have tokens and can vote, like it, it's hard enough, like having ran like and, and, and been a part of several boards of startups and as an investor, it's hard enough to get your board to care enough to you know, do all of the work ahead of time to have the right context and the right um, sort of, you know, information to uh, weigh in um, and help make decisions. I can't imagine, uh, you know, a, a sort of like collective of people that are completely distributed having the bandwidth um, to, to, you know, be able to sh- participate in shaping, um, uh, you know, like beyond just like a, the, a core group of contributors. So, so I think that the, the governance tools are still evolving. Um, there's like now, um, you know, a ton of people are thinking about delegating votes. So anyway, all this to say that I, you know, my approach um, with Startupy is, uh to be thoughtful uh around how we implement a lot of these things we're not going to jump into uh you know allowing issuing uh you know tokens and allowing people to vote with their tokens like that there's you know, i could see a lot of ways in which that could um go wrong i think the promise of uh building communities on the internet where people um can more actively shape um, and participate uh, in the co-creation of those at a high level, I completely agree with. I think we're very yeah. limited by tooling. Uh, and I think we're still very much in the skeuomorphic stage of that where, you know, we have one token and w- one vote and we use these tools like Snapshot. And uh, And the reality is, you know, if you look at a lot of what's happening in Web3 today, it's four or five people making decisions, then putting those decisions to a vote, the votes are 99% yes. Like, you know, it's like there, there's, just, there's just not... I would say a ton of progress, um, happening there from a sort of org design perspective. Um, so I think it depends. I mean, where I sit is I'm not a decentralization maximalist, uh, but I very much believe in incentive design. And, um, and for me, the part of ownership that I care most about is, um, is the idea of being able to share upside, uh, with the people that were responsible for creating the value.
0: Completely agree. Um, as this, podcast is about information, the pursuit of knowledge and ideas in general. I thought a good ending for the conversation would be if you could share a personal experience on having an aha moment. Uh, You know, when something just sort of clicks and that realization takes you on a completely new journey. Do you resonate with that kind of description at all?
1: Yeah, aha moments. Um, Yeah, I guess like the one thing that's been so instrumental and life-changing for me was, um, writing and starting a newsletter and sharing my ideas in public. Um, I do think that writing is networking for introverts and, um, and I will say that, um, from like one of my aha moments, um, because I've sort of never considered myself a creator. Um, and in some ways, um, you know, now that I sort of have an archive of Um, and trail of things on the internet that i've written i think that a lot of people attribute to genius what is just time right time spent thinking um and i think a lot of the sort of most interesting things that we're going to put out um in the coming months um is really just like i i I think a lot of people see really great things and they think oh you know they're incredible they're just a lot better than me uh, and I think that people underestimate how much effort um, or how much hard, like harder um, like p- just certain like people are working um, to get things done and I think in you know in, in, in a world where we're sort of constantly being pulled in a thousand directions just being able to uh, sort of pound your head against the wall, think of one problem, uh, you know, be obsessed with that constantly. Re- I mean, the, with the beauty of the startup database is that I've sort of revisited the same content again and again. And every time that I read it, I learned something different um, going back to the thinking versus reading. And so I just think that's a, that's a, it's a powerful aha moment because it made me realize that, uh, you know, like with enough time and attention, we can solve so many more things that we can, than we sort of give ourselves credit for. Um, And so I guess like maybe like the right, the right way way to wrap is just like um, emphasizing the importance. Like let's, let's not take for granted um, the, the fact that like feeds should be the predominant way that we consume information, right? Like there are better ways to do this that are going to be more conducive and, and almost like the Marshall McLuhan, uh, you know, first like we shape our tools and then they shape us. Um, you know, I, I sort of subscribe to that view. Um, and I think that if you subscribe to that view, then you know a big important question is sort of what what is the outcome that we want and how do we sort of backtrack from that outcome into building the tools that will help us get there today?
0: Incredible ending. Thank you so much, sorry. It was really nice talking to you. Yeah, thank you.